Today's reading is taken from Acts 22, verse 1 to 30. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves very testified. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, Suddenly, a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. He replied, My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What should I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, and the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a chance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away into the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Read the earth of him, he is not fit to leave. As they were shouting and throwing off their clothes and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the satarian standing there, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't been found guilty? When the satarian heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? he asked. 
This man is a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship. But I was born into I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander, he himself, was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day, he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sadhguru to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. This is word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Ivy.、Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, please、um, take your phone out or something. There are、uh, printouts at the back as well.、Uh, this is the final、uh, final bit of our series through the、uh, through Book of Acts, and we'll go through next week our Lenten series、um, through the book、um, through the Apostles' Creed. But let's pray that God will speak to us through this passage this morning. Lord, we thank you for these words, and we thank you for the example of Paul and how he stood as your witness、uh, in the harshest of circumstance. And Lord, we pray that you would convict us the goodness of the gospel, the goodness of what you have done for us, that we might live a life of being a witness to you. Lord, move us and speak to us this morning. We pray, Amen. I wonder when the last time、um, that you got into a fight was. When was the last time that you got into a fight? I hope it wasn't recent. According to Cleveland Clinic,、uh, this is what happens when you get into a flight or fight kind of a situation. The adrenaline, the hormones start pumping,、um, and your body, all the systems become alert. Your heart rate increases. Your blood pressure increases. You're 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 breathing more. Quickly and heavily, your pupils are dilated, so you can see better. Your muscles start twitching,、um, or maybe you might stem,、uh, start trembling because you're alert. Your pain response is compromised, so if you get hit, it doesn't hurt as much. I am sure that that was what was happening in Paul's body when they dragged him out of the temple and started to beat him. He almost was dead. They beat him within an inch of his life. I'm sure he was tense. I'm sure his heart was thumping. I'm sure、um, his muscles were twitching. This is a flight or fight kind of a situation. But incredibly, Paul does neither. He does not fly away, right? He does not、uh, clench his fist and fight back. What does he do? He responds. In love, he responds in love, and then he stands to speak the loving message of his, his Savior Jesus to the people who just beat him. He becomes a witness of Jesus to them. And what else?、Uh, what we see is a man who has not lost his love、uh, for God and for Jesus and for the people around him, and a man who has not lost his wit in the face of danger. He knows his rights, and he appeals to them. So let's take a look. I mean,、uh, we're in chapter twenty-two, but I'm going to start with、uh, at the end of chapter twenty-one. So if you have your Bibles open, to do look at chapter twenty-one. At the end of twenty-one, 
the beating started, and the only thing that saved, from, saved Paul from, from dying was the Roman commanders coming into uh, the, the crowd and saving him. The Roman officers, even as they were arresting him, the Jewish mobs wanted to kill him. Take a look at verse 35. When Paul reached the steps of the barracks, the violent mob was so great that he had to be carried by the soldiers. Even with the soldiers there, they, were, they wanted to mob him and kill him. They started shouting, kill him, get rid of him. What would you do if you were in that situation? Of course, the logical thing to do is to hide behind the Roman centurion, Roman commanders, to go to the barracks into the safe place. But that's not what Paul does. <laughs> Paul taps the shoulder of the commanders. He says, may I say something? He says it in Greek and they were surprised because Greek is the language of the educated and they didn't think that he was going to be able to speak in Greek. They thought that he was a terrorist from Egypt. But they sense dignity in Paul's answer and, and, and something. So he, they allow him to speak. And so Paul steps forward. He motions the crowd and he speaks in, his, uh, in the language of the uh, Jewish people at the time, Aramaic. And hearing, listening to Aramaic for the first time, that they, they become silent. The crowd becomes silent. And look what he calls them in chapter 22, verse 1. Brothers and fathers. There's no sense of anger in his speech. It's tender and affectionate. He speaks in order to share the good news of Jesus to the people who just beat him. So that they too might come to know Jesus. So before we go on, I want us to reflect on this. How does he do that? How is he so ready to love those who have just beat him within an inch of his life? What enabled him to be able to do this? And if you want to be like Paul, and if you're wondering how could he do that, here is the secret. Whatever he considered his life's own story, he gave it up. And he exchanged it with the story of Jesus, for the story of Jesus. Whatever the life that he had before, he gave it up to take the story of Jesus, Jesus' life as his own, Jesus' story as his own. You see, Paul did not count his life as his own. He saw himself on the path of his master, on the path of the cross. And at least that's, the, that's what Luke, the writer of Acts, would like us to see. Because he's been drawing these parallels between Paul and Jesus throughout the book of Acts, throughout this last leg. And for example, Jesus was mourned many, many times before he went to Jerusalem. Like Paul was. You will be beaten. You will be uh, held in prison. But they went anyway. Uh, Jesus, the accusation against Jesus was that he was, he was destroying the, camp, uh, the temple. The accusation against Paul is that he's defiling the temple with these Gentiles. Both Jesus and Paul were apprehended by the Jews and now handed over to the Roman authorities. Both Jesus and Paul went through two trials, one by the Sanhedrin and later on by the Roman authorities. Jesus was beaten and scourged. Paul was beaten almost um, to death. They shouted, crucify him and crucify him to Jesus. And they say about Paul, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Away with him. Kill him. You see, the story of Paul is the story of Jesus. That's why he wasn't surprised when he went to Jerusalem. He was arrested and he was beaten because they did it to Jesus. Of course, they, they're going to do it to him. 
That's why he was ready to forgive. Because he knew as he was going into Jerusalem that Jesus stood there as they were crucifying him. He prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. That was the example that he had in his mind. That was the story that he was living out as he was arrested in Jerusalem. That's how he was able to forgive. That's how he was able to love. So let me ask you, friends, what's the story of your life? What's the story that you are living into? What's the story that you aspire to? Right? What, what, what's normal? What, what are you pursuing in your life? Because most people, I think, tell this story. They live this out. My parents work hard to provide for me. I work hard in return, you know, work hard in the, uh, in the school to get into the best university as possible. I try to get the best job as possible. You know, things are hard, but of course, things are, the, the world is hard. So I work hard. I get through it. I get married. I have children. I advance in my career. Um, my life is then comfortable and stable at least and, and somewhat fulfilling. And I die a happy life. I have happy death surrounded by people who love me the most. Often that is the story that we tell ourselves, and that's the story that we want for ourselves. But that wasn't the story of Jesus. His was filled with sacrifice. His was filled with hardship and loneliness, loneliness, rejection, betrayal, suffering, outright persecution, and even death. Friends, being baptized to become Christian means exchanging our own life story with the story of Jesus. It's committing to live out that story, that continuing story of Jesus in this life, in this world. And if we do that, if we count ourselves dead and we live into the story of Jesus, one of self-sacrifice, one of mission, it will also be marked with hardship, just like Jesus's was. And when that happens, you know, we will, if, you, if, your, if your life is Jesus' story, then you will not be surprised by the hardship. You will not be surprised by the persecution, and you will be able to forgive. You will be able to love, because that's the story that you tell yourself every day, that I count my, myself dead in Christ and alive in Him. Friends, what is the story that you are living out. How will you respond when you go back on Monday? Maybe there's a colleague that, that really annoys you, who's just mean to you, uh, a family member who calls you a bigot, uh, somebody who uh, gossips behind your back or maybe backstabs you, a friend who bullies you because of your faith. What will you do? What will Jesus do? What's the story that Jesus is continuing to tell through your life, will you be ready to love? I hope you are. And I hope you'll be ready to love and also to tell of the love of Jesus. That's what Paul did. He was ready to love these people who were beating him, and now he tells the story of Jesus, what Jesus has done to him, so that they too might come to know Jesus. What does he say? Verse 1. Next slide, please. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. That word that's translated as defense at the end of verse 1 is apologia, um, defense, uh, the, the, the word that we, uh, from which we get the word apologetics. Of course, his primary defense 
is the story of his life. Because it was a remarkable story. And it was, it's a great story for this crowd because he was just like them. And that's what he says, right? The first words out of his mouth are, I am a Jew. I am a Jew just like you. I was born in Tarsus, but I grew up in Jerusalem where you are. I studied under Gamaliel, the, the, the famous uh, rabbi uh, in the school of Hillel. He was thoroughly trained in the Jewish laws. He was zealous for God. Verse 4, he says, I, like you, persecuted Christians. Of course, something remarkable happened to him on the way to Damascus. When he was going to Damascus to arrest those people, to bring them back to Jerusalem so that they could, he could punish them. Uh, you know the story. Blinded by the light, he was led. Jesus spoke to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He was led then to Damascus, and this man, Ananias, comes and opens his eyes and commissions him, verse 15, to be a witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Jesus' coming changed his life, Paul's life completely. Now, arguably, Jesus' uh, coming to Paul changed the trajectory of Christianity completely. Arguably, this was one of the most important conversion and moments in the history of the whole world where this apostle Paul goes from a persecutor to the defender of Christianity, a defender of faith. Our own stories might not be that dramatic or that consequential, but the same commission is given to all of us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That commission is given to all of us. You will be my witnesses wherever I send you. Making disciples of all nations uh, has to involve more than sharing our stories, but what, what a great place to start. What a great place to start by telling others of what Jesus has done for us. And your testimony does not have to be dramatic like Paul's. In fact, you don't even have to remember the day that you met Christ when you became a Christian. I don't remember when I became a Christian and when I turned to Jesus. It was a gradual process. My parents are actually here who have taught me the faith. And I grew up knowing and learning about Jesus. Um, you don't have to have a dramatic conversion, but... Uh, you need to have, have turned to Christ. And you need to have Jesus making a difference in your life. Because this is how J.I. Packer, the theologian, puts it. The, the, the evidence of past conversion, the only proof of past conversion is present convertedness. Present convertedness. If there are present fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life, if your purpose of your life has changed, if Jesus is making a difference in how you live today and how you see your future, uh, if Jesus is making a difference in your life, that is a story. That is the basis of our testimony. That is something that we can tell all the people around us. Jesus has done this for me. Jesus is making this difference in my life. Be ready to speak about what you were like before you met Jesus, what he did for you, the future hope that you have. And if you've grown up in the church, maybe not that conversion story, but uh, how, what difference Jesus has made in your life and how your faith has grown over the, year, over the years and what hope you have in him. But 
so we, we should be ready to tell others about uh, the testimony, that what Jesus has done for us. But don't let that be a formula, right? It, what, what's clear here, what Paul does here, is not, he hasn't memorized the four spiritual laws or the two ways to live. He's not just regurgitating, spitting it out and dumping it on everyone. You know, uh, Luke, sto- Luke records Paul's conversion once before when he was actually converted in Acts chapter 9. And there are a few differences between how Luke tells that story and how Paul tells that story. The main difference is that Paul emphasizes his Jewishness. You know, he started out with, I am a Jew, uh, born here and, and educated here uh, with these people. And, and even the little detail like Ananias. Ananias described in uh, chapter 22 is a man full of... What was it? Um, he's a sorry. He's a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all Jews. That's a little detail that he throws in because he knows that he's speaking to Jewish audience. You see, he is telling his real story to real people in a way that they can relate to, in the, in a way that they can understand. So we are to be ready to tell our stories in a way that people can understand, that people can relate to. But as you tell your testimony, the most important thing is to point to the grace of Jesus, to undeserved grace that you have received. And that's what he emphasizes uh, emphasizes here in his testimony, right? I was like you. I was there persecuting the Christians. I was there when Stephen was being stoned, minding the clothes there. I was there. And yet, Jesus came to me. And yet, he has made me his apostle in his letter to Timothy. This is how he put it. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I am the worst of sinners. And yet, God came and saved me because he is gracious to make it a point that no one is beyond salvation, that no one is beyond saving, no one is beyond the reaches of God's amazing grace in Christ Jesus. If he did it for me, he can save you. That is the heart of his testimony. And whatever story that you tell to the people around you, I hope that that is the heart of your testimony, your stories too. Jesus has done this for me. When I was a sinner, he has saved me. He has rescued me, has given me a hope of a new life in him. Friends, are you ready to share your story with others, to make most of every opportunity? If somebody says today, later on, why did you go to church? If somebody asks you, why are you a Christian? Are you ready to say something that is meaningful? Can you speak of the difference that Jesus has made, the grace of Jesus? We're going to do the refreshments for the first time, I think in about two and a half years or three years. Uh, Could I challenge you, downstairs, you go out, get a coffee or tea, stand around and ask somebody downstairs, what will you say if somebody, what would you say if somebody asks you, why are you a Christian? Why did you go to church today? Maybe this is something that you can practice in our links groups as well. Just take some time out to tell our stories of Jesus, to be ready to tell that story, be ready to share the story of Jesus with others, to point to the grace of Jesus. And be ready to also exercise your rights, your legal rights. When Peter spoke 
on that first Pentecost day in Acts chapter 2, remember, 3,000 people were converted. They were baptized and were added to the church. Now, this is Pentecost season. This is one of the reasons why Paul came to Jerusalem. And Paul makes this speech, but no such conversion happens. In God's plan that are beyond ours, the heart of the crowd did not melt. Instead, they cry, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. All this, while this was going on, the Roman commander didn't understand what was going on because this was in Aramaic. So he wanted to find out. So he commands the soldiers to arrest Paul and to flog him, to interrogate him, to torture him so that he can get an idea of why this is happening. But flogging wasn't just light beating. These were whips whose hand, end had these whips, it, it, the sharp hooks. And as, it, it, as, as people, rip, people were whipped, they, it tore into people's skin and, and tore it out. Many people didn't survive such whipping. In fact, it was so barbaric that Roman citizens were prevented, were forbidden be, from being uh, whipped like this, uh, from being flogged until they were convicted. So at this point, Paul exercises his legal rights. He goes, is it legal, verse 25, for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? Paul was, remember, ready to face imprisonment. Paul was ready to die for his faith, but he wasn't a masochist. He wasn't inviting suffering. And when our series continues, we will see how in the, in the future, when we go through the rest of Acts, he will appeal to his legal rights all the way to the Roman emperor, all the way to Rome. Friends, we too should be ready to suffer for our faith. We too should be ready to die even for our faith, but we shouldn't go and invite uh, people uh, to, 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 um, uh, for persecution. There's, it's not a reason to invite suffering. We should be gracious. We should be loving, forgiving, and ready to speak. But this doesn't, shouldn't make us doormats that everybody walks on. But then you might ask, well, what, in what circumstances should I forgive? In what circumstances should I appeal to my rights? Because sometimes uh, these two things conflict. Say if a bully um, is bullying you at your work, workplace uh, because of your faith, or uh, just for any reason. Uh, what should you do? What should you do? Should you forgive or should you go to somebody and tell somebody? When should I forgive and when should I report? Well, partly, I think it depends. <laughs> it depends. The answer is it depends. How habitual or is it, it, how often does this bullying happen? Is it one-off one or habitual thing? Is it a serious bullying or is it just a verbal thing? Has, uh, have others seen it or is it, has it happened in private? You know, if it happens once and it's out of character, you might say, actually, I'm going to let this one go. I'm going to say, I forgive you. I'm not going to make any issue and just move on. But maybe if it's habitual thing, a bullying, maybe it's, uh, it's better to go to the HR and tell somebody about it because you want to continue the witness in the workplace and you want to continue to be able to go to your workplace. But you see, this is hard. When to forgive and when to stand on your rights. But knowing Paul, I think this is the answer that Paul would give to this question. I think Paul would say, do what is best for the gospel. In that situation, what is best for the gospel? After all, this is how he lived his life. 
right? He gave up his rights to become all things to all people so that he might save some. You know, if being wronged and forgiving is better for the gospel, I think he would say, forgive. Let go of your rights. But if exercising your rights is better for the gospel, do that. Because your rights, Paul would say, is not primary. Your comfort is not primary. Even your life is not primary. What's primary is the gospel. The good news of Jesus being shared with others. Live to show the gospel and live to preach the gospel in all circumstance. So, when that time comes, when your heart is thumping, your muscles twitching and you're tense, when you are wronged and backstabbed, shouted at because of your faith, church, remember Jesus' commission to you to be his witnesses. Remember that your life is not your own, that you have exchanged the story of whatever story that you had and have taken on the story of Jesus on the path of forgiveness and love and be ready to make most of every opportunity. Do be ready to speak of the difference that Jesus has made in your life to even those who are, uh, who are wronging you, who are your enemies. But be also ready to exercise your rights so that Jesus will be proclaimed. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have sent your son Jesus and you made, uh, Jesus took on our story, our story of rebellion and sin and judgment and have died our death so that we might live in him. Lord, help us to remember that we are his disciples. We are a people who walk on the path of the cross, on the path of this crucified king. Help us to be ready to love and to forgive. Help us to be ready to tell all the people around us, even the, the people who are meanest to, um, to us, to tell the story of Jesus, the grace of Jesus Christ. And help us not to lose our wits and help us to be wise in our workplaces, in our life, that the gospel will be proclaimed by the way that we live and by, by the way that we die. Lord, empower us through your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.